Welcome to Nintendo Dads episode 271, recorded today, March 12th, 2020. On tonight's episode, E3 2020 got can- canceled. Ouch. Nintendo is in the brick business? And are there more Nintendo Direct rumors? When will we ever, ever learn? That and all of your questions. So much more. Cue the music, Jesse. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Marty here from Nintendo Dads. This is episode 271. I'm joined tonight by two of the finest gentlemen in this here world. Jesse Waldack, right in front of a big old Nintendo Dads banner. You're just a listener. Uh, you're not seeing right right now. His head is glitching. It's really cool. Um, we're doing some, we're, we're recording on Zoom tonight instead of Skype. And that's okay. But Jesse, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, for those who don't know, Zoom gives lets us put artificial backgrounds. It's like simulating like we have a green screen. We don't actually have a green screen, and Justin's playing with his uh, cup of water. <laughs> I don't have not, natural green no, screen. Not water, but mixed is mixed beverage. Apparently, mixed. my uh, my MacBook Pro is not powerful enough to give me a virtual green screen. I don't think it's not what powerful enough. It's the software is blocking Flash from well, doing what Flash needs to do. Thanks a lot, Apple. Speaking of apples, how you like them apples, Justin Masson? What's going on, folks? Yeah, I just found uh, a rock in my room in my recording studio. And it says, be, oh, I can't see it. It's because the camera's glitching out. It says, be different. Apparently, my kids are, like, planting, like, like feeling friendship sharing rocks in my office. I'm doing well. <laughs> Thanks for asking. This is. Do you guys I'm, remember back in the day, like in the 80s, when GoBots was still on? Yeah. You remember GoBots? Yeah. yeah. You remember yeah. how they tried to branch out into a line of transforming rocks? No. You know, the Rock Lords? Really? Oh, I think I, I do remember things. that. I think I do. I, love, I think I was like the only kid in America who loved those things. Yeah. And there was a little gold, like a golden uh-huh. one, and his name was Nugget. Of yes. course it was. I love yeah, Nugget. Yeah. Of course it does, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh, he was yeah. so. Uh, uh, when you, in when Pokemon you Go, up, I caught a shiny Geodude, and which is a gold color. I named yeah, him yeah. Nugget. When when you brought up the rock, I was thinking, God, I, I don't know what happened to those. I would love to have them back. You mean you weren't doing like a? Do you smell what the rock is cooking? That wasn't what you're thinking. No. I would have thought the the no. Okay. All right. Well. No, I'm thinking I, about the magic dream, baby. I think I just for those of you that are on stream watching, I think I just popped my shoulder. You're just going to have Tom John surgery. It's totally cool. Uh, But guys, it is really cool to be here with you tonight. Uh, We are seeking with this episode to be a little bit of escapism from this crazy Mm -hmm. world that we live in uh, right now. And we've got a ton to talk about. And so let's just jump into the news, shall we? Let's go. And our news is brought to us by you fine folks over at patreon.com backslash Nintendo Dads, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can join in all the fun on our Discord server. Uh, for $5 a month, you get extra perks and extra parts of the Discord, $10 a month uh, pre and post show audio, and $15 a month and up, all kinds of other cool things there. Uh, we are toying right now with the idea of some really cool stuff um, like promo codes and things uh, for merch maybe later on in 
maybe disappearing water bottles if Jesse can figure that out on your end. Uh, but we, we just love each and every one of our patrons, and we're so thankful for you guys. Uh, and we have two new patrons this week, Then and Now Studios and Jason Kiss. Thank you so much for joining up and being part of the Nintendo Dads Army. Uh, you know, here's, here's the thing. Can I, can I just be real honest? You know, like some other shows have, like they call their fans something. Like, yeah, you know, like kind of funny. It's the best friends. Yeah. So and like, there's a show I'm listening to, um, the Reformed Gamer podcast, and they call their their friends "dear listeners" because their logo is like a, a deer or a oh, stag. That's smart. So, that's dear smart. listeners, I, we need a name for the yeah. patrons. It can't just be like dads. Oh man! Because my as we learned last so week, my answer. As as we learned last week, there's like Nintendo grandmas who listen to the show now. Yeah, so I guess it's that was like that's just like stop this whole train right there. We're like, <laughs> Justin, Justin is so intensely in thought about what to call like my, our fans. Like, yeah, well, like I was start well until you mentioned the grandma thing. I was thinking if we're the dads, then our listeners are our children. Listen, children. Now, now, see, here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing, Uncle Jesse. Um, that, oh. that gets into some really creepy cult territory right there, it, you know. Like, I, I was thinking that in the back of my head too, and was real reluctant to even mention it. But, all all right. my children, F- this folks, is me. That, folks that are watching live, so I see obviously we got some people who are joining us on Twitch right now. That's of course uh, twitch.tv backslash Nintendo Dads, where you can watch us live. Also over on our YouTube channel, guys, throw us in the chat. What is some ideas that you might have for what we should call our listeners? Uh, Mecha Dragon says the Nintendo Puppies. Papis. 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 I think, yeah, no, I think it's Poppies. Poppies? Like Italian. Poppies. Yeah. So it's like it feels like Not like Poppies like the flower or Poppy like the singer. Yeah. Sean can freak it out of here. In laws? I don't know. What are you doing? What are you doing? Is he gonna come in and park on top of my my face? He's gonna just come on. He's probably gonna make out with me. That's what he did. Yeah, I saw I saw why you died last week. Now you understand why that was so funny. <laughs> yes. And I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. See, Because I had funny. no idea what was going on yeah, when that right. happened. My, uh, my, <laughs> Sean just said, oh, by the way, I'm sick this week. I didn't give it to you, Sean. All right. I didn't give whatever's going on to you. Okay. <laughs> my background right now is this wonderful scene from uh, Animal Crossing, which has the Aurora Borealis or what we call the Northern Lights in Canada. Very, very touching. Very kind of a nice scene. Northern Lights, so eh? The Northern in Canada, lights, they're eh? just the lights. Yeah, which just 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 look north, eh, you hosers? What's going on back there? You get on get on our mooses and just start heading back there with some two four some maple syrup and a little bit of timbits, eh? That's what they've been doing now, out there, right? They've been they, oh, now they're they're stargazing. They've been getting maple right. syrup out of the trees. That's what we do. Maple syrup right. mooses. There you go. Nice. Look at you being on the queue today. Look at you. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Look so, it guys, uh, it again, patreon.com backslash Nintendo Dads. Head on over there if you're not already a patron. For a dollar a month, you can sign up and be. It's twelve bucks a year. That's like two Starbucks coffees. Yeah, two star. We are surely we are worth two Starbucks coffees worth of entertainment. Depends on the day. Depends on <laughs> that's the day. True. Of the crew. That's true. Well, guys, by the end of this, you might be asking for your money back. Who knows? Yeah, it also depends on how much extra add-on you put in your coffee. Because I've seen sure. some pretty expensive orders. Right. I yeah, like it. that's true. It could be one coffee. Are you trying to segue us, Marty? I, I was. But, you should uh, try you, hard. You just weren't. You weren't doing it. You weren't, it just wasn't happening. There was no segue happening. Uh, but now let's segue. Let's talk about some news. And so uh, it's been a it's been a weird week. 
uh, admittedly here, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. it's been a weird week in our world. Uh, currently, uh, if you are not living under a rock, you know that uh, entire countries uh, in our world are on lockdown due to COVID-19, which is the coronavirus, uh, has spread to, I believe the last count was 125 or somewhere between 116 to 125 different countries uh, showing cases. Of, and of course, the hardest hit being China now on the decline. Italy now the hardest hit still on the upswing, unfortunately, uh, as well as South Korea and Iran and U.S. The U.S. looks to be racing to, to pick up. Uh, and because of that, everything is canceled. And, and when I say everything, like everything. Yeah, like this, we, this, we, this went from something that touched very few people to this has literally touched everybody now in yeah, one way yeah. or another. I mean, it's, it is the one thing that everyone in the world is talking about. Um, and it has canceled a ton of events and we could sit here and we could talk about all of those specific events, but I think the one that hits closest to home for us is E3. Uh, it was suspected earlier this week that E3 would be canceled. Uh, some people still. Thanks to a tweet from Devolver Digital. That, that, that was the spark that lit the fire. Yeah, if anyone breaking the news that E3 was canceled, Devolver Digital was not the one I was expecting. De- Devolver Digital, one of my favorite game studios, now one of my favorite news sources. Uh, right, exactly. We appreciate move that. O- move mean, over, Kotaku. Look, here's the thing. Devolver Digital, enter the Gungeon. Done. Uh, all right, so uh, so they broke the news, and then more and more reports started to come out. Uh, Wario64 jumping on the bandwagon, Jason Schreier, uh, talking about basically it's happening uh, you need to be prepared. You need to go ahead and start canceling, but official words coming uh, the next morning. I believe that it was Tuesday morning, right, that that mm-hmm. came out. Uh, and so on Tuesday morning, E3 2020 officially canceled uh, for live attendance. Now, I'm, I'm, it, it, it has come back. It was actually yesterday morning. I'm going to correct Yesterday you morning. I'm yep, sorry. Yep. Yesterday morning. Yeah, because yesterday morning, like, that started it out, and it kind of snowballed mm-hmm. uh, into a ton of stuff. And so – the ESA has come out now and said there will be some type of organized event, like an online E3 party or something like that. But this has left a lot of uh, devs and companies scrambling, particularly a lot of indie devs who had booked flight and travel and left us scrambling because uh, Jesse was going to E3 this year uh, and was going to go out and eat artisanal sandwiches with the Mega Dads. And <laughs> um, now all that's gone. But before anyone jumps to any conclusions, let us say here at Nintendo Dads that this is a measure we fully support. We get it. We hate it. You know, there's a there's a big difference, guys, between understanding and accepting, right? Right. And so, like, I we understand why it happened. Please understand. And we have to we have to accept why it happened, but that doesn't mean we we have to like it. Right. I don't like that our world is like this this week. I don't like that people are dying. I don't like that there's disease, but I would rather all the people that I do like, which is all these wonderful people who make video games, stay home and live. Right. Or not get sick. To make more, uh, video, so, to make more video games. Right. To make more video games. <laughs> uh, but Justin, I thought this this topic, man, is just. A slow drifter across home plate for you. Sure. Uh, talk to us about E3. Um, and just, 
I know you did a video on it earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I, I guess the questions that, that I think most people would have is what now? What's next? And the big one I think that's on everyone's mind is does E3 recover from this? Yeah, like there's and there's a lot to, there's a lot to unpack. So I'm going to kind of kind of slowly parcel it out um, from there. So, you know, I, I think with this news, um, a couple of things, you know, and I saw some people saying like, man, this feels like too early to pull it. Right. We've got three months. We've got a lot of time to go. Um, I think, you know, a company like E3 or sorry, the organization like E3 probably looked at what occurred with GDC and that decision to cancel there and saw that the amount of time or the window that was being provided was really minimal uh, in relation to travel, in relation to hotel costs had already been kind of sunk in. So I think from a responsibility perspective, and maybe even from a legal perspective, right, they needed to have the opportunity to make a decision soon enough based on what was going on, right? And I think the statement I always make for a lot of things in life is that we make the decisions that we make the best way that we can with the information we have at the time not what could be or what might be. Now, we could all be sitting here and saying, sure, we'll look at in three months from now, everything could be grand, right? It could all be fine. It's all blown over. And we pulled the, we pulled the plug too early. Well, I think there is probably at, you know, at the board of E3, there was probably a go, no, go date, or there was a time where they had to make a decision. And I think as you've seen how rapidly everything this last week has changed, right? Whether it's a NHL and NBA canceling, whether it's concerts being canceled, right? A lot of those situations, um, they had to make a call, right? And they, and again, if you can give that, if you can give your people that time, enough time, in this case, almost three months notice, right? You're mitigating potential loss, potential impact. Right. So I it, think it, it e- takes three or four months to plan an event of this size. And yep. the, a lot of people have to start spending money now. And so if, yep. if they waited until say April 20 to pull the trigger, or actually yep. I meant, yeah, April 20th is a good day, another month. People could be out a lot of unrefundable money. Yeah, so I think it's, you know, if they're going to do, pull it, pulling it earlier is the good, best thing to do. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent, right? And, uh, and, and obviously to your point there, Marty, can we be disappointed? A hundred percent we can, yeah. right? And, and, you know, a little bit of just back end information for those of you that are kind of sitting in the pocket, understand that, you know, we as Nintendo dads and a little bit of transparency about what's going on here. We were obviously very excited. Two weeks ago, we announced that Jesse had applied. Uh, what you didn't know at that point was he, I think it actually, I did mention he already booked his flights and hotels, right? Last week, we got the final like approval that he was qualified as media. That was great. We were all kind of chugging towards it. We were excited. Yeah, I've had everything excited. booked for over a month already. I did all this. Exactly. We're, we're, we were excited about this as part of a community, right? Because this is something that, that us as an Nintendo dad, it's not only just a the five of us, six of us that are on the show, but really as a community have worked towards getting this goal happening, not just from funding from Patreon, but also from the support we receive on, you know, whether you're sharing the podcast, retweeting, just helping to kind of give us some credibility and some some kind of uh, teeth in that. So we disappoint 100%, right? Uh, obviously, you know, Jesse's been able to recoup those funds from a housing perspective and then the credits will be used next time for flight if E3 goes again, which we'll talk about that in a couple of moments. But I think, unfortunately, E3, they, they had to make a decision. I think they made the best decision. Here's the challenge with E3. It's definitely disappointing that people like us, enthusiasts, can't be there. But the individuals that are the most impacted, right, that, are, that I think this hurts the absolute most are the smaller organizations, the smaller companies, the smaller developers, 
the indies who don't get the same level of potential exposure that they may normally get um, at something like E3, where they can actually be in front of uh, fans or potential fans or potentially new consumers to help promote and show their games. What's not, really missing not is not just that in front of the fans, but also in front of potential future distributors who will Correct, say, right? if I, we like this game, we're interested in what you want to do next, then we might help you fund yeah. it. If so I'm a small, if I'm a small indie developer, I made a great game. I may be using E3 as an opportunity to meet with companies like Sony, like Xbox, like Nintendo to talk about how this game could really work on their platform and make those connections in the industry that are really critically important. Mm-hmm. That's what a companies, lot of people don't understand is, you know, they yeah. think it's just news. I'm like, no, yeah. it's so much more going on in the background. No, yeah. you don't know half of it. So yeah, exactly. people are just saying, oh, we can just get all the information digitally. I'm like, yeah. yeah, you get what you want out of it, but so many people are losing so much more. And then other smaller organizations, so that's from like the indie, the developer side, but also smaller, um, you know, enthusiasts, blogs, YouTube, Twitch, whatever, streamers, podcasts, kind of whatever bucket you want to put us in. This is usually a great opportunity for them to really cut their teeth, to get exposure, opportunities to one-on-one with industry vets, um, to kind of have you know, interviews with developers to get their name out there, begin to build their portfolio of the work they may do. It's a great opportunity to really show up. So again, you know, companies like Nintendo, like an IGN, like, uh, you know, kind of some of these bigger outlets, are they going to be okay? Probably. They need to pivot. They need to find different ways to, to approach their content and deliver their content. But it's really the smaller kind of mid to lower tier whether it's developers, whether it's um, creators, or whether it's enthusiasts, who really kind of lose out on a lot of that experience. So that's uh, some of the troubles that it has definitely um, kind of, kind of, need, kind of, kind of struggling th- through with. Um, I, I see some commentary here. Um, Sean says it's incredible how the script has flipped on E3 now that it's canceled. Seems like everyone was calling for its downfall. Who needs it? Nintendo Direct to do the job, that sort of thing. Well, I think it's an interesting commentary there, Sean. I don't. I think there's an important spot for E3. I think the industry has shifted and has changed, right? And I do think people coming together is critical, right? I do think that exposure, that hands-on opportunity, um, you know, touching flesh, shaking hands, whatever that is, I think is really important. I think key players in the organization, such as something like a Sony, such as Nintendo or, or Xbox, Look at how they're using E3 differently. And I want to lean in maybe into this next perspective. What this forces is bigger organizations and even smaller organizations. And I saw a great image of this earlier today on Twitter is like everyone will now have their their own Nintendo Direct, right? Bethesda Direct (laughs) or Ubisoft Direct or whoever it is. And the smaller indies need to now find a platform to be able to celebrate. I'm going to find that again. That might be our art. Yeah, need to celebrate or find the, an opportunity to ensure that their content is getting out there. So whether it's something like the Kind of Funny Showcase or how do they ensure that their content is in a Nintendo Direct, there needs to now be a bit of work and, and connections that an organization like that needs to do. But what I think is going to occur, and we do have to remember that by a company not sending their staff to E3 is a massive savings for them as well, right? Yeah, that's Not true. only does E3 cost a lot from a booth space perspective, just the actual like size of the lot that you're going to need to take up. But you also have to remember, we have to have staff most likely flown or transported there. There's hotel costs, there's food costs, there's most likely insurance costs associated with it. They're out of production for X amount of time. There's a bunch of additional costs they're taking up for this kind of mecca event that goes to E3. If indeed organizations can discover that, by the way, 
you can still get the same level of exposure for the most part, or you can still get your information out through a direct or some other way, they may look at E3 very differently going forward, right? So if I'm a smaller dev or smaller indie company who's maybe I've had to like save up and scrounge a million bucks to show up at E3, and I'm just, I'm just picking a number here, and I realize that now I don't need to do that, and I can maybe spend, I don't know, $100,000 on properly editing videography, creating a direct and doing some PR pitches, and I just save $900,000, and I can reinvest that in either a game I'm developing, I can reinvest that into my staff, right? This is part of their budget that they would normally track themselves for. They're realizing that they can control and spend or use that messaging the same way, but now are actually saving themselves money and resources. That changes a little bit of the organization. Now, let me be very clear here. I fully still believe that there is a value of an event like you. Right. I believe there is an yeah. importance of stuff like Gamescom, EGX, PAX, whatever you want to call it, where people can literally come together and are like, you share the same excitement as I do. We love these things and meet developers, uh, you know, publishers, get hands on games. Those things are absolutely critical. Right. Let's be very honest about that. But I think in a constraint, which is what the organization is facing now, you have to find different ways to pivot and to adjust. And I think this is putting them in a way where they have to look at how they do things a little bit differently. Now, the question that will be asked, is there going to be an E3 2021? I don't know, to be honest, right? Like things change. Like once an organization discovers that like, sure, look, we may have had the same impact that we did doing this digital distribution methodology in 2020. Maybe that's how we need to do it instead going forward. And that puts E3 in a very precarious situation. That, that then changes how they look at it. And, and Justin, just to be honest, that's why I don't think there's any way it can go forward. I think that what you've said is absolutely spot on uh, about the, the savings of both time and money. Uh, I think that when, when especially smaller studios budget that versus, you know, when they look at it and it's money saved uh, versus time spent, money spent, uh, an investment, you know, like getting to actually have a conversation with Nintendo or Sony or whoever to try to pick up a game. I think the, they're just going to telecom that stuff, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's at least what's going to have to happen for like the next month yeah. anyway, probably. So why go back to the old way? It's kind of like once you've seen a new, better way, why go back to the old way where it was slower, it took more money, it took more time, it took more energy, so I think that E3 week is probably just going to become online. Yeah. Now, I also want to make a very, very sharp comment here. Maybe, you know, I see Sean's in the comment here. He says, E3 should come back next year and anyone who trashed it is uninvited. I want to be very clear on this. We're not trashing E3, but rather what we're doing is providing a little bit of insight on, on how I believe the organizational shift or things will, will adjust based on market conditions and based on just how companies work. Right. And just based on some just kind of sheer logic. Again, I've been to Gamescom. I've been to uh, EGX events. I believe there is an absolute value for these things. But the other reality of it, and this is maybe the other part of it, right? When E3 used to be the Mecca, right? E3 was it. Like everyone came there. But now with the introduction of platforms or not necessarily platforms, but events like PAX East, PAX West, uh, EGX, EGX Res, Gamescom, you have got a wide variety of off offerings for enthusiasts or fans to go to. So 
how am I going to invest that money? I think E3 is always kind of the crown pinnacle of it. But I think there's a lot of these other up-and-comers. And I mean, for example, Gamescom is a great example. Gamescom is five times larger than E3. I was there a couple of years ago, and I have never seen that many people in my life, right? Um, and it is an incredible, absolute experience. Um, but I think when you have something like, again, PAX East, PAX West, all these other events that are popping up that are maybe more um, fan-centric or fan-engaging, uh, that may be where, where people spend their, spend their time. I also think it's fascinating now that the reason Nintendo or Sony or Xbox put all their chips into E3, like that was where we did our big announcements, was because that was agreed upon, basically, right? Like everybody's yelling in the same echo chamber. Well, if that echo chamber isn't the same anymore, does it really matter where these announcements are? Do you know what I mean? And this is a little bit of what we saw Sony do, right? Sony said, guys, we're not showing up at E3. And I think in a lot of ways, they're not showing up at E3 so that they can own an opportunity or create their own space, their own event, separate of E3, where everyone is literally yelling at the mountaintop as loud as they can to be heard by everybody else, and own their own conversation and own their own beats, right? So now, like, like my, like, basically, here's my question. Does Nintendo do a Nintendo Presents Direct the week of June, whatever it was going to be? Do they need to do that anymore? Do you know what I mean? Like, if it's dispersing... I know me being greedy because, you know, I take a week off of work anyway, whether I'm covering at a home or planning on traveling for it. It's nice to be able to know that I want to have like at least three days worth of data coming in and news coming in for me to sit toward and process and yeah. so I can write articles or talk about it. But, you know, if they're no longer contained in a short period, then that makes it more difficult for me. And yeah. Not sure, you know, larger pub. You know, professional publications that that's their job may not have that issue because, you know, this isn't my, this is, this doesn't pay my bills. I have another yeah, full time job that I, does. I want to, I want to, I want to lean into a quick comment here I see in, in the chat here. Uh, Blaine Explosion makes, he says, argument exposure is not the only reason to go to E3. It's marketing and publishing deals. Some of these, uh, some of this can be essential with GC postponed. E3 is the next opportunity now that it has sunk. 100% agree. That's a little bit of my commentary there, right? Is, is GDC yeah. was one of those spots that was definitely, you know, that was where you're making connections, shaking hands, kissing babies, making those relationships, the pitches, the marketing, all they need to do. Now that you, you're right, E3 would be the next natural progression for that. Now that's not there, right? So again, the people that I believe are the most impacted, right? If you were a, you were a fan like I was, who's going to be sitting at home watching E3 from your laptop, it, nothing's really changed for you. Like really. Right. But if you were a person who was going there to pitch to try and get in front of industry vets to try and uh, market yourself, market the work you do or market the game you do, that opportunity is taken away from you. And that's a truly huge loss for an industry that needs more uh, people in it as well. Yeah, I think that just I think that the sad part about it is obviously is people aren't going to get to go. Right. But the sadder part is. The, the lost connection, the lost game ideas that are going to come out of late night conversations and, and different things like that. But, uh, you know, as we look forward, there's still going to be, I think Gamescom is still scheduled for August. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is huge now. Yeah. That was, that was very interesting. I kid you not, folks. We got an email from Gamescom that, Hey, tickets are now available literally an hour before E3 sent out their statement that like, we're, we're, we're canceling. So yeah. uh, Gamescom is currently still on. Uh, that'll be interesting to see what actually happens there. When I is think that PAX, scheduled for? 
uh, end August twenty uh, seventh through the twenty ninth. Uh, yeah, I exactly. Believe. And I believe that's the same time as PAX West, right? So you are currently right. You so you've got kind of two events there that are on the uh, on the docket. That'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. So. Uh, well, I think we've kind of talked all around this that we can, uh, just close by saying this guys and ladies, wash your hands, take care of yourself, play some video games, uh, and just, you know, be good to each other. And then disinfect your controllers. (laughs) Yeah. Disinfect your controllers, (laughs) stay home and be good to each other. Talk to people. The bet. This is going to sound, I know there's some people who are going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that, but I'm going to say it. The best thing that you can do is take some time every day to put your phone down, to turn off the news and do something else. Well, and that leads us to a little bit of a question that we received, and maybe that's a great a great spot to pop this in here. Okay. Uh, so we've got a Twitter question from a good friend of the show, Mikey Burgett, asks, do you think we will see even more of a demand for Animal Crossing next week than we are seeing before because people will want something to do in the midst of everything going on? Yes. So basically, Mikey saying, do you think Animal Crossing will provide the escapism? Uh, I loved earlier this week, um, I think Greg Miller, he put out a tweet and he said, like, Please, Nintendo, uh, on the midst of everything that's going on this week, could you please release Animal Crossing a week early? Uh, which is that, and it was kind of like, yeah, I agree, Greg. That would be nice, right? Like, let's let's do this. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, do I do I think it's going to happen uh, that we get it early? No. <laughs> do I think that? Yeah. Do I think that Animal Crossing is going to do an easy ten million? Yeah. Just yeah. saying, uh, because it is, it's going to sell. Um, this is, this is actually proven, uh, in South Korea where coronavirus is, has infected upwards of 7,500 people. Uh, the report has come out that, uh, sales of the Nintendo Switch and the PlayStation 4 have boosted, uh, <laughs> during this time because people are wanting something to do. Um, uh, so uh, another thing that they th- this article doesn't say for sure, but it says it's safe to assume that Ring Fit Adventure sales have probably also been boosted, sure. as well as people yeah. uh, forego going to the gym and go play Ring Fit instead. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I think I do, we'll see some stuff there. I think so for sure. I do want to acknowledge a couple of comments here in the chat. Uh, Bush and Ryu Cat says. Um, E3 is a big deal, even though I don't go. E3 was and is about theater. Selling the fantasy to all of us on TV gives us the initial hype. 100% agree, right? I absolutely agree that that's still going to be very valuable and very important. And I think that they have an opportunity to still do that. I think the theater experience, the the live ones that Xbox has done traditionally, um, is a little less sanitized than the one that Nintendo does. But I think you're absolutely right. There is It helps to build hype as well. Um uh, you also make the comment when devs can't sell to us why their game is different with a live crowd sharing their opinion through reactions is real time. You can't create that through a sanitized stream. 100%, right? Like there is there is some definite losses there. And some of the stuff we talked about about why uh, it not being live or, or not being an event does hurt those, those folks as well. Great yeah. conversation here in the chat. Guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so also this week, kind of a good news type thing. Reggie fees me. <laughs> You cannot stay away from video games. 
uh, apparently, was named to GameStop's board of directors. And I, I, I'm i be honest with you, I didn't see this one coming. I didn't think, you know, I thought, here you go, you know, I'm, I'm leaving Nintendo. I'm off to, to pursue other ventures. I didn't realize it was just going to be like, hey, I'm going to walk down the road to GameStop. Right? <laughs> so um, it's no secret that GameStop is having problems financially. Uh, in fact, the news has, has come out, I think, recently that they're set to close most more stores as uh, stocks had already dipped dangerously low. Uh, and there were several stores going through clearancing and buyouts and things like that. What does Reggie bring to the table here? Uh, besides the fact, I mean, let's just be honest. Besides the fact that the dude came in and turned Nintendo around. He kind of helped do that. Well, I do think it's very important to recognize here that he's been named to the as a board member. Now, board member really works more in a consultative manner, right? Provides a little bit of insight and a kind of more of a, again more of a consultant than an actual like day to day operation. So, I think that's a really critical component here to think about. Um, it's not like the the ship is on you know the it falls to Reggie to resolve the entire issues. He'll be on a board much probably, there are probably several other members on that board as well to help provide some consultation and some insight. And again, what really what GameStop is looking to do there is they're looking to leverage his insight, right? They're looking to leverage or to tap into that knowledge and skills that he has um, about the video game industry to try and correct some of the challenges that they have done as well. Um, what does he bring? Well, I mean, I think I think there's a namesake. There's a name recognition of Reggie Pizeme, right? But there's also the amount of time. So you have to think he's an individual who went through and again, I don't have my I don't have the um, Wikipedia up right now on it, but it's about 15 years with Nintendo, right? So you've got to think he saw them through. If I remember correctly, the back end of the GameCube, right? The success of the Wii U, the failure of the Wii. Sorry, I apologize. The success of the Wii the failure of the Wii U, and then the revitalization or the Phoenix from the Ashes approach that is the Nintendo Switch. So he's definitely kind of seen ups and downs in the game industry. And he also has a lot of information from insiders and relationships that he had from, from previous, you know, contacts, right? So it's not like, you know, you can't imagine like Reggie doesn't know Phil Spencer's number, had conversations with him on stuff, right? Like, so there's <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of insider information that he's not necessarily information, but insights that he can provide to a company like GameStop. Yeah, 2003 to 2019, before we get um actually, uh, was 2003 was when he joined Nintendo. Uh, and let's see, in December of 2003, he became the executive vice president of sales and marketing. And from there, he worked his way up to president of Nintendo of America, uh, which, I mean, still a lot of people, a lot of people respect Reggie and respect mm -hmm. what he has to say about video games in general, not just Nintendo. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what he has done here or what he's going to do, uh, whether he's going to be able to work his magic on GameStop. Again, like you said, it's more of a consulting role, yeah. but he's, he's Reggie fils -me. I mean, like you said, it's a little bit of, a little bit of celebrity comes along the way. Uh, but, you know, GameStop has to do more than a point uh, somebody to their board of directors to stop the slide at this yeah, point. Yeah, and, and I do want to, I'm going to call this out from a Business Insider uh, article about it. And just the last couple of paragraphs here, I'm just going to quickly give you a quick synopsis of it. Uh, pointing uh, Fizeme is one component of a larger overhaul of the GameStop's board. The company said in an announcement, these changes represent key elements of a board refreshment process initiated in early 2019, the release says. 
Reggie fils steps up alongside two other new appointees and a slew of existing GameStop board members are stepping down. Six exist- existing board members will be out by June 20th, or sorry, June 2021. Wow. So again, this is this is a long-term strategy, right? Bringing fresh blood, bringing fresh uh, ideas or innovations into the into a business which, in a lot of ways, has has not evolved or has missed their mark in changing and evolving uh, to fit an industry that is quickly changing and evolving, um, right? You know, when you think of ideas of GameStop, right? Like, guys, I, like I don't I don't really go to a GameStop unless I need to pre-order something, right? Uh, or an EB Games up here in Canada, as they're known, right? So. Uh, with digital distributions, the way they're changing, like how does a company like this, an organization, become so continue to be relevant? And we've seen GameStop's GameStop's stocks continue to plummet and be dangerously, um, danger, you know, very quite dangerously low. And as I recall, last year I believe they were also um, kind of openly put out for sale, and no one actually bought them. Um, so they're kind of like you've, you've got a you've got a bit of a rotten rotten. Uh, uh, potato, right? You've got to try and figure out how you make something better out of it. And I think that's the scenario they're in. I think it's an interesting move from GameStop. I think Reggie will bring some good insight. But again, it's a consultative. It's not going to be him running the ship. Um, so um, you'll still see him doing a lot of probably other work as he is continuing with his like his leadership summits and information as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see uh, what comes out of there. I don't think that we'll hear anything immediately, right? No. Uh, but uh, in time, like you said, June 2021, we'll, we'll probably be able to see some influence there from him. It's been a big week for Nintendo, even uh, without a direct, which we thought we might get this week, and even with E3 being canceled. Nintendo, of course, celebrated Mario Day this week on March 10th. And later on in the show here in just a few minutes, we're going to talk about our favorite Mario game. And if you're in the chat and you're listening right now, we want to know your favorite Mario game. And so just put it in there. We'll read off a bunch of those uh, here in just a few minutes. But Nintendo uh, uh, is collaborating with a number of of people and companies. And this kind of felt like, let's be honest, it, it probably was, right? Uh, game, the UK company game outed this, that some of this was probably supposed to be shown off during a direct. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, but earlier this week on Mario Day, we learned about the existence of Lego Mario. Uh, and a couple of days before that, I think we learned about the uh, existence of a collaboration with Levi's uh, for some Super Mario themed uh, clothing. Both of those um, products were revealed today. Uh, and we're going to spend a few minutes and we're going to talk about them. So let's get to the not so interesting one first. Let's talk about uh, Lego. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about like no. Let's talk about overalls and hoodies and shirts. Uh, Levi's looks to be launching a Super Mario collection sometime within the next year. I think it's uh, April first, include... I think, isn't it? Oh, April first. Nice. Pretty sure. Um, dig on that. Dig yeah, on that. Right I'll, I'll talk for just a few minutes. So, uh, what was shown off was uh, some overalls with some coin patterns coming out of the back pocket. Uh, some really interesting looking hoodies and shirts featuring uh, a jumbled up, you know, collection of the Mario cast and promises that more would be coming in the future. I'm just going to come out and say it right now. It's ugly. I haven't seen this and I'm kind of. Go look it up right now. I want your like first blush <laughs> gut reaction. Yeah, hold, hold on a second. I'll send it to you in the chat right now. Bear with me one second. I got it for you. I got you. I got you, oh, boo. It's, it's um, there you go, bud. The chat. 
Uh, yeah, so I can I can confirm that uh, Levi's tweeted uh, that the collaboration will be coming April 1st. In some ways, I really hope this is an April Fool's joke. It is not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I... You know what I really liked? I liked Nintendo's collaboration with Vans. I thought those shoes were slick, and I really wish I had bought some and I didn't. Um, I thought those were cool. Uh, here's the thing I will say about both these things, both the Lego and the Levi's thing, and even Vans as well. I think this is important for Nintendo, right? This is a little bit of what we had seen from them or heard from them earlier a couple years ago, about this idea of diversification of their IPs and understanding the value of their IPs, right? So we have seen this through the use of, obviously, Universal Studios. It's opening in a little bit. Uh, the uh, movie that's being worked on. Nintendo is now using their IPs, so their recognizable characters that we've grown up and loved, and now collaborating with other companies and putting them in different ways so they continue to get exposure. This is another revenue stream for Nintendo, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, again, I I don't find these things good at all. I do not like the look of them. I will yeah. probably, like, yeah, if you want to... That, that design on one person is hideous enough, but yeah. the picture I'm looking at from the tweet from the Levi's Twitter... Yeah, where three will, different people are wearing the same pattern in different I, ways. Here's now. Awful. Here's what I will say. I will make you a. I will make you a deal, fans. If you want to see the Nintendo dads, right, uh, do a Levi's calendar shoot with these clothes, I will. You talk to me, DM me, and I will tell you the mailing address, and I will do a Levi's commercial wearing Nintendo uh, <laughs> Nintendo Levi's clothing here. Um, but I do think that it is very interesting to kind of see um, see that they're diversifying. So I do think that's a good thing. Again, I I would not actively go to buy these things, but no. that's my interest. <laughs> no. But let's talk about something we would actively might go out and buy. Sure. That is the very interesting collaboration between Lego and Nintendo, yeah. which yeah. Uh, they took the lid off of today. Two days ago, which would be, as of this recording, would be Mario Day, March 10th, uh, Lego posted a very quick little teaser video on Twitter and on various Facebooks and Instagrams and YouTubes and all those places uh, that showed off a very stylized-looking Mario Lego Mm -hmm. that kind of looked like a block itself but still had the Lego hands and, and feet and it looked like a removable cap, but also looked like it included screens for the eyes and the mouth and in the chest. And of course, people began to speculate, what is this? Is it, um, is it a Lego? If it's a Lego minifigure, it looks awful. Uh, some people really liked it. I thought immediately it looked like um, the clockwork Mario uh, statue that you, you uh, that makes the level uh, in Super Mario Land 2, uh, in the Mario Zone. Yeah. Some and people were wondering if that be... was actually a switch in there, like a Labo 2.0. Yeah. But those the thing would be huge and would just right. be ridiculous to play with. They were thinking it was maybe some kind of switch case, or maybe it was the next evolution of Labo. Uh, what we get instead is real-life Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. You build the levels... The levels have a form of a QR code on them, which the bottom of the electronic Mario piece or Mario uh, figurine scans when it moves over them. Is that how it, it works by QR? I, I didn't. Yeah. Like um, it, it makes various things happen. Like co- you pick up coins, 
or it uh, he says, here we go, you know, where uh, there's one part where he fell into some lava and it, his eyes crossed out or whatever. And it was very interactive. And it ends with uh, the two kids playing with it, making Mario cross the finish line after his timer uh, on his chest is running down. And he goes down the, the pole and gets, you know, fanfare music. And that's the end. Uh, all set to these these clicking sounds from Lego bricks. Uh, shown off in the video was Mario, Bowser Jr., Yoshi. Uh, very eagle-eyed viewer caught Monty Mole, who was not featured at all. Like, they didn't zoom in on him at all. Uh, there was a Goomba and lots of different Mario-esque pieces, like question blocks and pipes and the goal pole and all kinds of different things like that. Um so for those of you who are listening and you haven't seen this, if you can imagine what a Lego Brickheads figure looks like, that's kind of what Mario looks like. It's those same proportions, uh, the same thickness, the same squared off body, but now they've just made it hollow or there's something that you build in there that you're able to take the back off of and replace with batteries. It definitely has LCD screens in it. Um, so what do you guys think about this? I, you know what I want to do is I want to take a quick moment. We did get a press release from Nintendo of Canada first thing this morning when this was dropped. And I just want to kind of read out some information here that I thought was very interesting. And, and maybe there's PR announcements always find, I find fascinating. There's a little bit of like word soup that goes along in this, but just take, take a listen to it. The new Lego products, uh, will let people build an experience and playful world of Super Mario like never before. Using new technology developed jointly by Nintendo and the Lego company, the new product line features an interactive Lego Mario figure who collects coins in real-life games created with Lego bricks. It's neither a video game nor a traditional Lego ba uh, brick-based set, but a new experience that brings Super Mario to life in the physical Lego world. So a couple of things I thought were very interesting on that from a PR, PR perspective, right, communications. Uh, both companies collaborated. Both companies came together. It wasn't just one basically leading the charge but rather, obviously, much more of a, a larger collaboration. I, I like the words, it's neither a video game nor a traditional Lego set, but a new experience, right? And you can very much see, and I think that's why a lot of us were like, sorry, what is this? Right? Because this, this does feel like, you know, it's kind of like Nintendo's like, hey, we're going to do STEM. Well, how are you going to do STEM? Well, we're going to create, we're going to give you cardboard, and then we're going to incorporate it with Joy-Cons and a, a screen, and we'll do magical things. And you're like, this is not what I expected. Right. This is when I when we all heard a Lego collaboration with Nintendo, this was probably not what we were expecting. Right. But of course, they took their their kind of Nintendo esque approach and looked at doing something a little bit different. And I think this is a really fascinating uh, approach and idea. Again, it's not something that like when I look at my Lego, I have up here in my office. I've got some Overwatch figures I love building. It's very, you know, like that kind of really coolness. This looks more than a target audience, probably around the ages of like six to eight, potentially. Right. It's a little bit of a younger audience. Um, and I think that I think eight's is, probably pushing it. So I think yeah, probably, like six right? is the max. Yeah, like this probably feels like they're trying to aim for where the Labo would yeah. have been. Well, and younger, no I say younger there. than Labo. Yeah, so it definitely feels like they're trying to aim for that for that area. But again, great idea, right? Get an audience member attracted to an idea of uh, these characters, these video games. Introduce Mario in Lego, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, and did you also know there's video games about it? And you're like, what? Yeah, remember how you, you know, so there's, so there's this segue, there's kind of the segue approach to how, how they actually uh, introduce uh, Mario characters 
and then obviously open up the franchise. The other thing I'd really want to make sure that we're very aware of here is unlike Labo, there is at no point did I see, and guys, I read this release and the video I've watched many times, there does not appear to be any necessity or need for a Nintendo Switch or any Nintendo Switch paraphernalia or accessories in any way. Right, it seems completely independent. independent. It's not like a Labo system anyway. You don't need any of that. Um, so overall, I thought it was very interesting. I, I'm going to be fascinated to grab a kit or two and build it, kind of see the see how it works. Like from like to your point, Marty, the QR codes, the sensors, the beeping. That'll be interesting. But like, I'm not going to be building my entire wall here with like level one one. It does not quite fit my uh, <laughs> my fit my need. But it, also gave, it also gave me a link to a Forbes article talking about it. And one thing they're saying is uh, they're showing the back of the Mario figure with a power button and a Bluetooth button. So yeah. I think all these pieces might be Bluetooth compatible and you have to pair it with the pieces to get things to work right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's a good point that you make there, Justin, about you know, what age group it's hitting. Right. Yeah. And yeah. what, um, what, like, who, who is this intended for? Uh, our good friend Adam over at Megadads today was spent uh, a little bit of time on Twitter uh, um, voicing his opinion over grown men moaning and groaning over Mario Legos. Yep. And I have to agree with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys, come on. This could have been like a super bright spot in an otherwise crappy day, and the Internet still found a way to ruin it. Right? It's like, yeah. just let kids well, have fun. I don't think the Internet knows how to do anything else. Yeah. Right. Well, I, again, I mean, you have your you have your seven hundred dollar, fifty billion piece Millennium Falcon if you want it, right? Yeah. For adults. Well, I uh, think I'm the, not giving that to a kid, but yeah. am I going to give Lego Mario, who looks like he could survive a bomb detonation, <laughs> and still be together? Yeah. Yes, I might give that to a kid, and they're going to have fun with it. And this is a great, like the first thought that I had when I saw this was. This is going to be so great for parents mm-hmm. and their kids. Yeah. My video gamer parents who love Lego, kids love Lego. Yeah. Boom. It's fantastic. It's such a good play. Um, totally out of left field, right? Yeah. Totally out of left field. And, and, uh, and, but and I absol- love it. And absolutely. Uh, we saw definitely a lot of, a lot of kind of those responses as well. Uh, again, uh, our good, fa- uh, good friend, uh, the, Block Fort uh, says this looks great. A live action Mario game made Legos. I'm a hundred percent down with this. Totally something my four year old is going to love. Absolutely, a four year old is going to love this, right? Um, uh, Ricky Gray, who's Gary's uh, brother, says uh, can't wait to see how they sell everything. Um, yeah, I think that there's. I know that Gary was saying it looks great for kids, right? So again, there's this idea, folks. Remember, internet. Just because something's not for you doesn't mean it's horrible and doesn't mean you have to hate it. And also doesn't mean you have to have an opinion. So keep it to yourself. This is Justin's lessons in life. I love it. Thank you. We all need those lessons, (laughs) Uh, which is funny because just a minute ago, we also said that Levi's in this Super Mario collection sucks. So, uh, But, But again, again, that ain't for me. Also, again, I'm open to the photo shoot, right? DM me. But, like, I'm not hating on it, but it's like, this just ain't for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a difference between ain't right. for me and, like, it's a trash fire. Let's burn it. Ah, why would you do this, Levi's? Right? Like, like we don't need to be grown babies on the internet, right? Like, take a, take a moment. Uh, again, if you have nothing nice to say, shut up. 
This wow. has been Justin from Canada telling that escalated you quickly. what to do. Right. Again, hey. send your messages to nintendodads at gmail.com. Or just for... jesse at nintendodads.com. Yeah, exactly. You know what you should do? <laughs> What's Zach's email address? Zach at nintendodads.org. The question yeah, is, does yeah. he actually use it? <laughs> I I have never once been in my email address. I was going to say, do you guys use your emails? No. Wait, I have an no, email address? No, I don't even know how to do it. Uh, yes. I don't even know what my password is. Uh, <laughs> it's terrible. I, I go through the trouble person. of doing things, and this is the thanks yeah. I get. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I said a minute ago that we would talk about this, so I think this would be a great time since we're talking all things Mario. To sure. talk about... Mario, Mario Day, Mario, uh, March 10th, you know, you celebrate Mario. Uh, and I just thought it'd be fun for us to talk about our favorite Mario game. Oh. And so out of all the Mario games that have ever been made, what is your favorite? We ask our uh, folks in the chat. Uh, we ask you guys to put your favorite in the chat. Hopefully you did just a minute ago. Justin, you see anything out there? Uh sh- May have to scroll back a little bit. Yeah, I may have to. I'm seeing some. I'm seeing some eye rolls at me. Shut up! Shut up, Internet Justin. 2020. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see what's going on here. Again, thanks for participating in our chat, folks. We love it. It's great. I like. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah. I don't, well, you know what? We did. We did ask this question on Twitter, and I'm not seeing anyone who put any answers in here. Maybe I'll grab the Twitter responses. I do want to say this. I think like your favorite Mario game is tough. Because I do think, like, I would say, like, what's, like, name your top three. I think that's a little bit more realistic. Or yeah. or just or just your three favorite, right? Do you know what I mean? Because, like, yeah. that's pretty. Yeah. Like, there's so much to choose from. Yeah. Hotel Mario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's from episode. Mario, Mario teaches typing. Uh, Mario Paint. Mario Paint is the. Is right. The, uh, no, I think for me, like the, that's a pretty easy guess. Mario three will always be my absolute favorite. Okay. Uh, followed by uh, Super Mario three D World, mm. and uh, Super Mario Land two six golden coins. Okay. All right. I did find the tweet here, so I'm gonna do this out. Uh, Blake says uh, Mario Sunshine, Mario three, and then Super Mario World. Um, our good friend and often contributor, the best community manager around, Timothy Alf says, uh, Super Mario World, Mario 3D Land, and Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, the, the block fort says Super Mario Advanced 4. The e-card was a solid choice. Uh, Mark says Galaxy 1, Super Mario World, and Mario Kart Double Dash. Good call on that one. Dawn says, uh, or sorry, Delta Dawn says, uh, Super Mario World, 64 in Mario Kart. Um, Arkin says, Super Mario World, Super Mario 3, Odyssey. Uh, Yeah, there's just a ton of them in here. Uh, Multi Fandom says, uh, Mario Luigi's Dream Team, Super Mario World 3D Land, Mario Kart Wii. Like, there's just a ton of them in here. Um, So all those are fantastic games. Every game is someone's favorite. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? There's so many of them. Like, if I think of. And it's challenging. That's why I said, like, Marty, I've got to think of, like, more than just one. Because, um, like, and I, and I, you know, for those who know me, like, Super Mario World 2, Super Mario, Super, sorry, Super Mario 2, is such a, yeah. it was such a touchstone for me. Like, that's that's pretty special. It's top five for me. Right? And then, and then I'm going to be honest, like, Super Mario Galaxy? Are you kidding me? Some of my favorite memories were sitting on the couch with Jody, right, when, before I think, I think we just had Rylan, or maybe she wasn't born yet, but, like, we were 
I think she wasn't born yet. And it was just the two of us and like we two player that game together. And that was like what we did for like two or three weeks straight. And it was just like those moments, right? But then I think of like, oh my gosh, Super Mario 64. The first time you come out of that pipe, right? And you spin that camera, like anyone else's mind was just like blown, right? Yeah. But, that, but then like Super Mario 3 was like revolutionary, right? If you think of how far the consoles went from like the original Mario all the way to Mario 3. But then like you had these aspects associated with like Super Mario World that were so instrumental. Like there's so much in the Mario franchise um, that it's almost impossible, in my opinion. But I think, but to the point that Jesse was making, each of them are important to you in some different way, some different nostalgia or touchstone. And that's the really cool thing about video games. That's the cool thing about art is that you can look at it differently than I can look at it. And we have different reactions and different feelings about it. And that's okay. Yeah. But you know what? Here's the thing. I, I do want to refute one thing that you said. You said, uh, I think that, like, each Mario game is probably somebody's favorite. Right? I'm waiting for the shoe to drop here, Marty. You can except, see where you're going for, except for Mario Tennis Ultra Smash. If you are a Mario Tennis Ultra Smash fan, please let us know. We want to just confirm if there is at least one of you in there. <laughs> Yeah, I spent sixty dollars on that game. I I have a hard time playing older games lately. I don't know why, mm. you know. But uh, you know, because every every game's physics is a little bit different. So once I get used to one, then it just messes up my play forever for the others. Sure. So uh, I haven't played the last Mario game I played was Odyssey. So it's been two and a half years. Uh, but Odyssey's they, brilliant. Yeah. So I, I'd say Odyssey's up there for me. Uh, I think Galaxy Two is up there. That's mm. of all the 3D Mario games. That's the only one where I've collected at least the first 150 stars or 120 yeah. stars. I never went. I never went back and collected the next 120 greens. Yeah, that was just insane. But uh, yeah. I, I think the biggest gap that I have in my Mario zeitgeist, right, is literally Sun Mario Sunshine because I have never played it. I know oh, of wow. it. Now I shouldn't say that I shouldn't I should say I never played it. I briefly before I moved to Ireland got a copy of it and I played about a total of maybe an hour and a half of it and then we got rid of it and sold it. And I really wish I hadn't done that because I also had the original Mario or Luigi's Mansion, which I probably should have kept as well. Um, so that for me is like there's this gap and like like and I know that everyone's like, man, we really want Sunshine to be remastered on the Switch. I really would because that is a gap for me. Like I am missing that. Never played it. Don't have enough experience, but everyone talks about how really awesome it was. So See, for me, that's a little well, bit of a. Of I understand a that's a high point for many people. That's probably the low point for me. Mm, Just because mm. you know, I, I, I've I've tried playing that multiple times. I always have issues with it. It's you know the levels where they take away the back the, the backpack and they give you this throw you into a, a, a normal platforming level, but mm. instead of running left to right, you're running. Away from the you know, cameras at your back, and you're running yeah. towards the distance, yeah. and sometimes it, it that this is before they had a good grasp of 3D, you know, 3D yeah. as in actual optics, like a 3DS for sure, for sure. You know, Justin, you can always pick up Luigi's Mansion on your 3DS. Oh, I already have it on my 3DS. I do have, I do so have. See, that. there you go. Yeah, so I feel good there. So it just feels like the gap for me is sunshine. So um, right, yeah. Uh, might be cool to see him release um, Mario Sunshine remastered. 
Uh, part of me wants to say that that may have been intended for the 3DS. Which one? Sunshine. Oh, you think so? Like at one time. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Because they did Luigi's Mansion on there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that'd be that'd be yeah. Okay. I would be I would be totally down with that. So yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else to add here? Favorite Mario titles. You know what? I I really enjoyed. Um, you know, it's kind of a different approach to it, but um, Mario and Rabbids. I thought that was great. Right, and I thought I thought like it was just a really good use of the Mario character. And again, I mean, the amount of games that he's been in or cameoed in, right? Whether you, you know, like I mean, sure. Look, at, we were talking to Donnie last weekend, right, or last week, and he was talking about how like Mario Golf is one of his favorite games of all time, right? Mm-hmm. So like Mario is like Mario is Doctor Mario, right? Like my wife, Doctor Mario is her favorite <laughs> game, right? Like your man has been everything. Do you know what I mean? He's been a doctor. He's been an artist. A boxing he's referee. A boxing referee. He's been a golf pro. He's very, apparently for a short, relatively round Italian man, he is incredibly athletic, right? Very flexible. Um, very flexible, right? He's been to the Olympics numerous times, right? Like, I mean, yeah. Ibisol says that Hotel Mario is surpassed by the Wrecking Crew. Ooh. <laughs> nice, nice. I like it. I like it. Yeah. yeah. He also and, mentioned the original Donkey Kong. Good. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Right, but but the interesting part about Mario is there's also something. It's almost like it's almost like comfort food. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, you can sit down and play on the the Switch Online, the old school NES games, or whether you want to play the SNES games, and it, there's a there's a comfort. There's like a man. I remember being eight years old, or I remember being in my pajamas. I remember drinking, you know, as I always say, drinking my C plus orange pop and eating my Doritos. Do you know what I mean? Like there's this there's this nostalgia well, associated the with. C plus C plus pop? No, sure. Look at that camp. Just C. No, hold on a second. Let me see if I can find it. In the C states, would probably be like Sunny Delight or something like that. C plus drink. I've never heard of that. Really? Uh, oh, actually, hold yeah, on we, a second. I've never heard of anything called C plus. Uh, it, it sounds like almost, language. It sounds like a programming language. Almost. C plus was a product that was offered as a refreshment of a soft drink while using natural fruit juices to bring. Uh, body to the fl- body to flavor. In 1986, it underwent a new packaging design and formulation to include the use of Sunkiss. I've heard of Sunkiss. Um, yeah, I, I've also I, heard I, of apparently C plus is still made. Yeah, sure. Look at right, like that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were just looking for a, uh, a way to use that phrase as much tonight, right? Sure, look at every time I do. If if I say sure, look at guys every time, you got to at least have a shot or or subscribe a dollar to Nintendo Dad's Patreon. I'm just there saying. There you go. Patreon.com backslash Nintendo Dads. If Justin says sure, look at again, yeah. and you're not a patron, uh, sure, that, look at you should your be. Sign. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like one of the Mega Dads weekly games that they play? We should start it. Oh my gosh, it'd be so much fun, right? <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about one more little bit of news here. Uh, rumors are beginning to circulate, even amongst all of this terrible news that we're uh, seeing lately. That not one, no, no, but two Nintendo Directs are planned for March, as in like next week, possibly. One next week and when one the week after is what people are saying. At, at this now, point, uh, it's... Uh, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll believe it when I see the official announcement. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with speculation at this point. 
right? I mean, <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm done with that. No, <laughs> we're not um, even going to talk about it. We're- well, we can. I mean, it, you know, I struggle. Like, there's no validation, right? Yet at this oh, sure, point, yeah. Uh, I. It would be great. I would love to have an Indies Direct next week, and I would love to have a larger Nintendo Direct the week following. But I am no longer betting on my horse. Um, but I do think, you know, in a little bit of the context that you mentioned earlier, Marty, that there may have been a little bit of a slip from game that had said that, hey, this was in a Direct. So I think there may have been something planned, just happened to have, they, they had to adjust the fly. There's a rumor right now, and again, this is the rumor sec. Do we have a rumor button, Jesse? Like a who rumor has it? Who rumor has it from Adele or something? We do. Here it comes. It's not Adele. It's not Adele singing rumors. No, no but that's what uh, we've been spooky that, Castlevania music. That's, that's what we've been rumors. using. All right, fine. Uh, is that there is a kind of a large unreleased title game that they were kind of waiting to see if they could get to ensure that it was in the direct. And that's one of the reasons that they have slowed it down. And then apparently the game is somewhat of a mashup of like Splatoon meets Fortnite and is currently pushing the switch to its kind of like maximum uh, processing powers. Um, so there is a bit of, I've, I've read a bit of rumor that again, I have nothing extra to validate or substantialize that claim. Um, but I mean, I do think. Breath of the Wild think, says hold my beer. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let me, let me show you how it's done. Um, but I do think it is, I'm going to preface this nicely. I do think it's a logical time to think about potentially showing or providing a direct, you know, we do know that animal crossing is coming out next week. They bang the drums. They've got the commercials out, a lot of advertising. They've done their pitch really well on it. Right. Um, so you're kind of finishing that hype cycle. Do you know what I mean? Obviously there's hype as you play the game, but like, so transitioning into like a Nindy's direct, which would not eat, eat into the mainstream conscious of like actual animal crossing because it's more Nindy's and more indie direct focused. Let uh, animal crossing release. And then at the end of March come in and, uh, and give us an update for Nintendo direct. Now it's also interesting because if you remember the end of March is also Nintendo's, fiscal uh, year ending as well. They end on March 31st, right? So for them to maybe end off the year with a little bit of a banger saying, and by the way, look what's coming up in the next next 12 months or next I, several months. I, I think to interest- appease the shareholders, they have to. They have to say something. Well, well, if not, they'd be appeasing the shareholders by ha- by at the, at the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They have a meeting, investors shareholders meeting, meeting investors, yeah. uh, shareholders, investors meeting, um, that would be following a couple of weeks anyways. And sometimes information leaks out of there. Yeah, I but do that, think that, that's usually to go over the annual results, but yeah. they need something before that end date. Yeah. Otherwise exactly. there's, they may, they would, their investors will get nervous. Yeah. Right. Cause at this point, if you're, if you're an investor, Nintendo has not shown you any cards or any dates that are defin- definitive. Um, and you know, I think Donnie made some great points about it last year, last week about this kind of like, you know, well, do we look at, do they always say anything? No, they don't. But I think strategically, like from a business perspective, uh, knowing what they've done before and knowing where they're coming into, I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked if we see a Nindy's direct next or Nindy's showcase direct, whatever you want to call it next week. And I would not be shocked if we see a Nintendo direct 
near the end of March, just before the actual quarter. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think it's smart business. I think that's uh, leading into a new quarter strong. Uh, but you you saying that about, you know, reminder of the, the physical year ending, that's a pretty big deal. And they may wait until I, I, they could even push it till March. I mean, till April. Uh, I think they're I think they're going to do it at the end of March, just so that at least they at least they've kind of outlined their path and shown some some insight. So, but yeah. it will be interesting to see again. You know, as we talked about earlier, I'm interested to see what Nintendo's going to do at E3 now. Right again, are they going to take up the same mind share and same space as they did before? How are they going to incorporate? Do they do a treehouse live from Redmond? Do they Skype call in developers? Do they push out you know closed demos? Uh, through the Nintendo Switch so you could actually try some of these games. Like, there's a lot of interesting things that I think they may get questions about during that investor call and investor time coming up here in April that they're maybe now having to try and figure out a game plan. And so it's a very interesting time uh, from a business perspective and I'm fascinated by it. Absolutely. Well, guys, let's get into what we've been playing, shall we? Okay. Jesse, let's start with you. What you've been playing? Okay, so last week I played uh, Murder by Numbers. I think I talked about it a little bit last week because I, I bought it you know, pretty much Thursday morning. I think I did a, an hour and a half ish live stream before the recording, and then talked about the first the first act. And so I've since finished it, and the I, I liked it. I like the I like the story. The the puzzle. The puzzles just kind of got a little boring to me at the end. Of course, it's similar with just like any other Ace Attorney or Phoenix Wright or what's Herschel, uh, the other puzzle game. Um, by the way, a lot of these puzzle games, I don't, at the end, I'm like, I don't want to do the puzzles anymore. I just want the story. So it's just, so I was hoping to be almost done and I'm like, oh, another puzzle. But most of the puzzles were like 15 by 15s. There was like the last storyline puzzle was a 15 by 20. And then there were like the extra, the extra puzzles you can do at the end to unlock bonus memories of Scout, that robot thing. I think had another one or two 15 by 20s. So, so the majority of the puzzles were 15 by 15s. So there's, that was, I don't know exactly how many puzzles there are in the game. I'd say in the area of 120-ish to 150-ish total. So, you know, good amount of, uh, good amount of content. You know, I was able to play through it all in like four days. So I, I, I did have fun with it. The story was good. It was funny. Um, and apparently I didn't realize this last week. Uh, the composer is previously had worked on Ace Attorney games work and, uh, Several other games that were on the DS, like Ghost Trick, was another good one. So yeah, I, I wish that the I actually wished there were more variety of music played during the puzzles. It seems like there was only like two or three, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that felt like I kind of got a gold at the end. But again, I still enjoyed the game. So if you like Picross uh, games, yeah, that I want to try. Then I, I played through the Turing test and that really frustrated me near the end. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I needed to go to, uh, 
to a walkthrough multiple times, and I asked out on Twitter, is this worth playing through the end? Is this going to pay off? And I finally, I did play through the end, and it was not satisfying. It literally just says, congratulations, you passed the test. I'm like, but I wanted to know what happens after, what happens now. Because the story was good. It was an interesting little back and forth between, like, you and this AI, Justin said the AI is going to kill you. He wasn't wrong, but he, he, AI had compelling reasons. And it really would make you make one think if you were in that position. You know, it was not out of malicious. It was actually out of trying to save humanity. And if you don't know sure, what I'm talking what about, if you want to know what I'm talking about, you know, watch a walk, walk, a playthrough of the game. I'm sure there's a bunch of one on, YouTube or, you know, try the game for yourself. But I liked the story. I wanted more story. It just feels like they just ripped the script in half and gave me half a page for the, hmm. for the last, for the final page. And maybe that extra half will be DLC later on. I don't know. This has been a game on PC for a while, so it's not necessarily a new game. All right, so two more games I want to talk about quick. I won't... T- talk about them as long. I try. I bought and started Imbento. I think Marty, I think, talked about it a few weeks ago. For, you know, I don't know if it was on show or something we talked about pre, pre-show. Uh, it's a little, a little puzzler game where you're this mama cat making bento boxes for your baby cat. And you, you do it with various puzzle mechanics. You're able to like drop pieces in the, in the box. You're able to rotate them like a Tetris piece. Or, and you have some pieces that can swap positions of two squares in the box. And yeah, within maybe half an hour, I got near the end of chapter four. I'm not, not sure how you want to call them, but chapters or not. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm on, the first stage I got stuck on was four nine. I didn't really spend a lot of time on it because I wanted to move on to something else. So I'll, I'll go back to that game. But normally puzzle games like that is, it's easy until it's not. And when it's no longer easy, it's it's either a walkthrough or nothing. Yeah. So, right. so I might I don't know how much harder these get. Uh, just just as a bit of a statement there to say as well, if people are more interested, we do have an actual official review of Invento on our uh, YouTube channel, um, so you can check that out. And we actually also have gameplay footage of the Turing test as well. So if either of those games interest you, do feel free to head over to our YouTube channel and check those videos out. Then, last game I started today, which actually came out last week, is a game called Dude Stop. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a funny game. I would not recommend it on the Switch. It, it is meant to be played on a PC with a mouse. So, you know, you have touch controls, but of course, you know, fat finger hands on a five-inch screen is a lot of real estate to hit where you need to be really pinpointy sometimes. And, you know, you have... The, controller, uh, you know, move a reticle around with the joystick and push the button to manipulate things. And it works, but sometimes there is a time limit on like one specific tests you have to do. And there's no way you can do that in 20 seconds if you're using a controller. And in fact, I tried going back to doing that, that test with with the touchscreen and it wouldn't let me get the, the, the speed credit because you need to do it on the first try. Ooh. But, you know, it's the, the game in general is you show up to be a tester for this for this game 
and it's just you and this narrator. And you can either do what the narrator wants you to do, or you can do what the opposite of that and just see what the reactions are. And in order to get like all of the achievements, you literally have to go do every puzzle the right way and every puzzle the monster way. And then Very cool. just to see what happens. And you know, so it, it's it's a fun game, but I'd I'd recommend playing that on a PC. It's probably cheaper too. I don't remember what it, what it costs on Steam, but but that's it's it's if you like a little bit of humor, they even make a portal joke in there. Hmm. So nice. Yeah. So again, I play that one on PC. Awesome, Justin. What have you been playing, my friend? Uh, not a lot actually. I've been kind of preparing myself for Animal Crossing. So I've been playing a bit of Fortnite on season two, kind of enjoying the the villains and shadow ghosts kind of James Bond espionage seem to go on right now, and just kind of putting through some catching up on some other games that I kind of want to you know accomplish a bit more on, or a little bit of escapism. I was playing some Luigi's Mansion three uh, earlier this week, just a little bit of you know you know just kind of uh, escaping. So that was it. That's it. Nice. Yeah. I have been playing some Ori and the Blind Forest because Ori and the Will of the Wisps has been uh, released on Xbox this week and I've seen a ton of people talking about it and so that made me want to go back and finish Ori. Um, there's not a lot more to say about it that we haven't already said on the show. Justin thinks it's brilliant. Oh my gosh. Uh, lots of people think it's brilliant. Um, I think it's good. I think it's really frustrating in some parts um, where it, to me, there's a unnecessary difficulty in some ways. Like, it's like, really? Did you have, you really had to do that? Mm-hmm. And you got to be very, very on top of creating your own save points. Mm-hmm. And that's been like my number one downfall with the game is I'll get going and I'll go pretty far into a section and be going at a good clip and then get in trouble and I can't make one and I die and I go back and it undoes 20 minutes worth of work. Yeah. Yeah. That is a game where you kind of have to really be kind of mindful, right. To try and get those things. And um, I remember I finished, I was playing uh, Ori and I had just playing a handheld on one of my flights, I think down to Bermuda, not too long ago. I got off the plane and my thumb hurt from right. the way I was holding and playing and just the, just kind of the precision that you needed with it. Um, I loved Ori in the Blind Forest. I'm really hoping Ori and the Willow of the Wisps will find its way to Nintendo Switch um, as a definitive edition in a year or two or something like that. Like, man, my fingers are crossed. You want to, like, I just loved Ori. Like, it was just, um, like I said before, I made an absolute mistake. Had I played Ori in 2019 like I was supposed to, like when I bought it, it would have 100% made my 2019 game of the year, one of my game of the year lists for sure. Yeah. I'm also playing a game that came on my radar about uh, two or three days ago. I purchased it. I immediately fell in love with it, and I can't stop playing it. It is called One Finger Death Punch 2, uh, and it's available right now for the Switch for 9 bucks on the eShop. You play as a stick figure ninja who is fighting other stick figure ninjas, and it literally makes you feel like you are in a John Wick movie. There's two buttons in the game. That's all you have. You have the Y button and the A button. The Y button directs your attacks to the left of the screen. The A button directs your attacks to the right side of the screen. And you can only tap 
those buttons when enemies are close to you inside of attack range or in the zone. Uh, and as you do this, your stick figure does all these crazy Kung Fu moves, right? Like he's flipping across the screen. Uh, I like, and as you level up, different stuff starts to happen. Like you're shooting lasers out of your eyes, shooting force lightning out of your hands, getting lightsabers, cutting people in half, chainsaws, all kinds of, I mean, it, it's the, it's every crazy action movie ever put together in, in a stick figure game package. And it's brilliant. Like I did not expect to like it as much as I do. If you're a fan of rhythm based games, there's a rhythm based element. Uh, as well with this. And it's, it's one of those games that has you just, Oh, I got to just try one more time. I got to go one more time. I got one more round, one more round. Uh, I stayed up last night until two o'clock in the morning playing this. Oh, wow. I have not done that in a long time. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, one finger death punch two. I think that's the only one that's on the switch. I don't think one finger death punch. The original is on the switch. But two, more than makes up for it. It's fantastic. I think you should check it out. It's a great pastime for these days that we live in right now. Um, it's, and it, the cool part of it is it's also totally customizable. Like the original has tons of like blood uh, and over-the-top stuff. You can go in and turn that off. You can turn off all kinds of stuff. There's tons of options in the game. So if you're worrying about it being like kid-friendly or anything, yeah, you can do that too. So there's awesome. that. So, guys, let's turn on the community spotlight. Okay. We have a, a couple of comments and tweets and questions tonight from you guys. Uh, we'll start with a tweet from Chris Logel, who is a patron of the show. And he says, I'm a big fan of the Mario series of games. I've always preferred 2D to the 3D, which I believe goes to the origins of the character. Guys, if, if you had to be put on the spot here and you had to pick one or the other, which one would you go with? 2D Mario or 3D Mario? 2D. Uh, it, it's a coin flip for me. It, pro probably 3D. Wow. Well, I say which 2D. So I'm actually surprised I'm saying that. but Yeah. Because like you know, uh, in my Zeldas, I'd say 2D. In my Metroids, I'd say 2D. But uh, Mario... Come on. <laughs> yeah, Odyssey just kind of set the bar way, way, way high for 3D Mario. Uh, so good. Uh, but I, I I agree with Chris. I'm, I'm going 2D. Uh, Dan Caparello, the block fort, who is also one of our hosts on Dad Crossing, which, by the way, just dropped episode two. You can get that in your podcast uh, uh, feeds right now. Uh, he says this, the IGN wizard appears and presents you with a big red button. Shark wizard. Push the button. There will never, ever be another Nintendo Direct. But Nintendo will develop any game of your choosing. Do you push the button? And what game would you have Nintendo make? I like how he's presuming we're just going to push the button. Because I wouldn't. Because any game I want wouldn't sell well. And therefore wouldn't really be made. So I wouldn't push the button. I want my Nintendo Directs. It's a guaranteed game made, Jesse. Yep, that'll make that'll sell four copies. Me, James Jones. Game? Now I gotta know what is your game. See, I don't even know what my game would be. It, you know, yeah, my game is probably some cross between Tokyo Mirage Sessions and Dragon Quest. <laughs> 
Starring Mario characters. <laughs> Andrew Andrew says, I'd push it if they fixed our online. <laughs> oh. Right, that's probably Andrew. the that's probably the better question. Yeah. If you actually would I press it if you actually update the user interface? Right on. Nintendo Directs, get out of here. Give me themes, I'll push the button. No. Um yeah, I thought about this question a lot today. And I'm not going to push the button. I'm not doing it. I would rather be surprised. And that's the, that's because that's always the coolest part about Nintendo Direct is when they drop something that you absolutely didn't expect and the internet loses its mind. Yeah. Right. Justin, you're grinning over there. You're going to push the button, aren't you? No. The needs of the many outweigh <laughs> the needs of the few. Oh. Live long and prosper, right? Uh, no, I would push. I would not push the button. Now, now we're in a situation. However, that the IGN wizard is quite angry. Now has my family captive. They're tied up. A gun to my head. I have to press the button, or everyone's gonna die. Then I'm going to press the button. And what I want is more Zelda, more Breath of the Wild. Is what I want. Gotcha. Yep. There you go. Okay. With more, another nine hundred ninety-nine a- items to collect. Excellent question. And Dan, we want to know your answer. So pop back over to that post on Patreon and let us know, or just tweet us. Uh, if you're listening. Or can we make and- a game that kills the IGN wizard? <laughs> oh, there you go. Sure. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. Um, pop on over to Twitter and uh, hit us up in the tweet and tell us, would you press the button? And if so, what game would you like? And if you're not going to press the button, why not? No, j- j- just say hashtag press the button or, or hashtag don't press the button. Yeah, There's no context the and have everyone else like confused it. what we're talking about. I like now. it. Hashtag press the button. <laughs> well, guys, that is about it for the show this week. Uh, we want to thank you for hanging out with us. If you've been over on uh, YouTube or Twitch, uh, if you're listening to us in audio form only, thank you for listening to us again. This has been episode 271 of the Nintendo Dads. Before we close out, though, I want to do a little bit of thank yous. We want to say a huge thanks to our Patreon producers, Chris Mears, Dave Ernsberger, Sean Abbott, and Antonio Contronio. Thank you guys for backing us at the $30 level. You are awesome. We also want to let you know, uh, if you didn't already know, we have a website now, nintendodads.org. You can head over there for all of our videos, tweets, podcast episodes, social media, link to our Patreon page. Also, a way to buy Nintendo Dads merch. Yeah, that's right. Right now, we're over there selling phone cases, shirts, stickers, even eBay covers. Oh, yeah. You can have our faces on your bed. Yeah. If if the dads that score ever bought that, then they probably wouldn't anymore. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, you can also find us in most places on the social media. That's Patreon, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch. YouTube, just type in Nintendo Dads. Boom, there we are. We'd love to connect with you on there. You can email us at nintendodads at gmail.com or call in and leave a voicemail at 929-25-N-DADS. That's 929-256-3237. We want to say a big thanks to OC Remix for the music used throughout the show. And remind you, download this podcast on any podcast app of your choice. That's fine. But go in there 
leave us a five-star review, leave us a written review, tell us how we're doing so other people can find the show. Your reviews help push us up the charts. They help people find the show. And so if you're enjoying it, a review is vital. So go do that today. For me, for Jesse, for Justin, and all the rest of the Nintendo Dads, this has been episode 271. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening into Nintendo Dads. Wobble Puffet? Wobble Buffet?